my hate to see it of the week. I gotta say, pause. I actually forgot what my hate to see it of the week is. Pause the, pause the recording. You're gonna have to edit this. This is fun. You're listening to Shot Callers with Kyle Brandon and Joe Micucci, part of the 48 Minutes Podcast Network. What is going on, everybody? Welcome in this week's edition of the Shot Callers on the 48 Minutes Basketball Network. My name is Joe Micucci. With me, as always, my man Kyle Brandon. Kyle, we decided we'd take a break from the new Minecraft update to talk some basketball tonight. How you feeling? I'm feeling great. It's good to be back in Minecraft. It's good to be back talking basketball with you. Uh, yeah. Let's go. All right, man. Well, let's just dive right into it. Normally, this is where we do love to see it, hate to see it, and, and we are going to do love to see it, hate to see it. We're going to do it a little differently this week. Uh, Kyle, I figured I'll just let you do your love to see it and your hate to see it because I've kind of got a little hybrid this week. So if it's all right with you, I'd like to let you just do both and then I'll kind of do my uh, my little hybrid thing. Sound good? Sounds great. All right, uh, my love it. to see it. There's a team right now in the NBA that is hot. They are on hot, a hot, winning hot. streak. And I think you know who I'm talking about. No, it is not the Phoenix Suns. It is the second longest active winning streak in the NBA, and that belongs to the Houston Rockets the of all teams. The other space team. The, the other uh, space team. The other space team. There's, I'm sure there's a pun in there somewhere. <laughs> this team to the moon right now. To the moon, uh, baby. They are following up their 15-game losing streak with a four-game winning streak, which is absolutely incredible. It's the first time that's ever happened in NBA history. Uh, and they are doing it in clutch situations. They're shooting 63% from the field in clutch situations during a four-game stretch. Uh, that means that it is a close game within the last four minutes. And it's awesome to see. I, I've been able to catch a little bit of it. Um, and this team really likes each other. I don't know if you guys saw the, the clip of uh, Kevin Porter Jr. when he was one rebound away from the triple-double. And the free throw goes up. It bounces off, misses. His teammates know that he's one rebound away. And they swat the ball towards him, but like back away from the ball and start yelling at him to grab it <laughs> so that he can get a triple-double. And I love it. That is exactly what you want to see. Guys taking care of other guys. It's awesome. They've had Jayshon Tate, who's put up 32 points in a single game. Christian Wood had a game with 33 and 16. He had another game with 24 and 21 during this streak. Do I think it's sustainable? Absolutely not. Do I think the Rockets are a bad team? Absolutely I do. But right now, four-game winning streak, and guess what? They got Orlando and the Pelicans next. They got a chance to take this to six games. And uh, it's it, it's been impressive. It's a it's a feel good story for a franchise that's have a, had a rough go of it, uh, especially with being in the news um, with the John Wall stuff. And I know, I know that they talked about it on the last um, 
bench mob episode. So if you want to hear a little bit about that, make sure you check out that episode. But uh, yeah, so some good bright news out of Houston, which I think was much needed and good to see some young core pieces kind of falling into place. Um, That's not just their first round pick this year. Let me, uh, let me ask you, is there an ulterior reason why you love to see Houston winning? <laughs> uh, I do got to say, <laughs> you're, <laughs> my Detroit Pistons currently would have the number one pick in the NBA, which huh. is a secret, very, very secret love to see it. <laughs> uh, I don't but. think it's a secret love to see it, <laughs> Kyle. Yeah. Um, no. I, I do want to say with Houston, um, yes, if you're of the ilk that they need to be losing, it's it's hard to see them winning like this, right? Um, if you're if you're wanting to tank, kind of the opposite of tanking is is doing well. But I'm with you. I still think this team is by all means bad right now. But you know, not only were they in the news recently for the John Wall situation, there's also starting to be some rumblings regarding Steven Silas's position as head coach, um, which I, I just think is absolutely crazy because they're wanting to lose. You, you don't fire the guy that's executing your game plan, right? Um, but, but also, I think it's nice to see these kind of short spurts of winning because it shows that your young guys, as you kind of hinted at, they're, they're learning. They're figuring out how to win in the NBA as a team. So I, I'm with you, man. I, I do love seeing the pieces, albeit slowly, but surely coming together for Houston in that sense. Yeah, and the goal of all of this is to, the, the goal of like the quote-unquote tanking, right, mm-hmm. is to get more young guys to add to your core. Well, they're doing that right now. I mean, you're, you're seeing it in real time with these games. Before the season started, they had no one. Christian Wood was kind of a fringe guy, but there was talks about them potentially taking Evan Mobley because Christian Wood wasn't a guaranteed staple there. And I know that there's talks about, uh, you know, I think he's put in the trade machine pretty much every day by every person that's ever logged on to it. But to see these guys, you know what I mean, kind of, kind of um, come together and, and formulate some form of vision is exactly what you need. They're still the third worst team in the NBA by winning percentage. They're still going to be right there in the mix for that top overall pick. And you know what? If you're in that top pick, I mean, we saw it this year, right? The third pick, you still get Evan Mobley, right? Like, just because it's not... Yeah, albeit the this draft number... is not as deep, but... Sure, I, I, I get it. But doing it in... Learning to win and close out games is valuable. Exactly. I think, I think, that, um, I think that we kind of saw that a little bit with the 76ers where there wasn't a winning culture there. Those guys didn't know how to close out games. It was really tough. And you got to really, really kind of break that mold. And I don't think that's super easy to do. And so if you can learn how to close out games, good on you. Um, and again, they'll, they're going to start losing again. They just had a 15-game losing streak. They're going to get back to it. But uh, for right now, let's give them their flowers. Uh, second longest winning streak in the NBA. You love it. Now, Kyle, yeah. what do you hate? What's your hate to see it of the week? My hate to see it 
has to do with the Warriors game. Was really excited for this game. Thought it was going to be just uh, an absolute slugfest with the two best teams. And, and it very well could have been the two best teams playing. But there was just a lot of times during that game where I was watching guys that didn't feel like they needed to be on the court, especially in that fourth quarter, especially in crunch time situations. People like Juan Toscano Anderson bringing up the ball or, or being in a position where he's got a play make. Five turnovers in 13 minutes, and they were rough. This dude is just winging the ball out of court, like off the court, not even close to people. Uh, Chris Chioza getting 12 minutes, a lot of those being in the fourth quarter in crunch time. You hate to see it. I mean, Warriors, Suns, two best teams in the Western Conference. We're looking at a potential Western Conference finals preview, and I have to watch Juan Toscano Anderson and Chris Chioza. That you hate to see it. And honestly, we gave we gave him a lot of credit earlier in the year. I'm gonna throw uh Nemanja Bielitsa on that list too. He was he was really, really hard to watch. I I thought he played a really bad game. But just some of these guys that, that we're watching in this game, do you have to play in a, like an eleven man rotation in that game? Do you have to? I don't of know. Of course you don't. No, or, you, don't. you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. And and we heard a lot about it. Is Kaminga and Moody like? Were they gonna pick them? Were they gonna potentially make a trade? Well, they played the toughest team in the in the league, and they didn't have Wiseman. Kaminga didn't play a minute. Moody didn't play a minute, and they lost because we're watching guys like Juan Toscano Anderson. So. That was my hate to see it. I'm sure we'll talk more about this game, but we, when we go to turn on good basketball, please do not show me Chris Chios bringing the ball up the court. Yeah, and, and we're definitely going to get into to this game a little bit more later on in the show. Um, so I'm going to try and reserve this as much as I can because I, I want to bring this back yeah. later. But, um, you know, they do play again actually tonight. Well, technically Friday. We record this on Thursday night, but this goes live on Friday. Um, they play again on Friday night. Um, and do you think Steve Kerr, knowing that, one, they were playing again this week, two, knowing that this is a potential playoff matchup, do you think Kerr is already just trying to figure out what he can tinker with to see what does and does not work against this Phoenix team? Yeah, I just don't know roster-wise really what other cards he has to play. Yeah, um, it's fair. Because those guys, to me, were were zeros or call it negatives, whatever you want to say. But guys like Gary Payton Jr., like he is a very, very specific thing. He's not, you know, there, there's not a lot of iterations of him. And then you're kind of running out of your bench now, like... Yeah. I, I know you have, you know, Otto Porter, um, and again, Bielitsa, who I thought just played a really bad game. Um, but that's it. That's your bench. Uh, Kaminga and Moody didn't get any playing time. Maybe you go to those guys. Um, but genuinely, I, they're probably not ready. So I, I don't know uh, what other cards he necessarily has to pull. It's fair. It's fair. Well, we'll get more into 
to this uh, secondary matchup yeah. a little bit later I'm, on. But I, let's, I'm yeah. I'm very curious to uh, to hear your your grand love to see it and hate to see it combo. So, uh, yes, my little hybrid this week. It's a hate to see it that goes into a love to see it. Okay. So my hate to see it is is very obvious for me, and it it's just how the Pacers have been playing. I the team has not looked inspired whatsoever. Um, they can't get any sort of consistency. It's it's just a mess. Um, and, and we'll elaborate a little bit further, but I want to hit my love to see it because I think it kind of all connects together. What I love about it, though, is that it's led to something that I've low-key been hoping for. And Kyle, this won't be a shock to you, but this might be a shock to some of our listeners. I am extremely pro-trading DeMontis Sabonis. I have... I've been very pro trading Sabonis for a, a long time. Um, and because of the Pacers' recent play, we're starting to see more and more articles getting written about, instead of hypothetical Miles Turner trades, hypothetical DeMontis Sabonis trades. So I love that. I hate how the Pacers are playing, but love that it's starting to yield the they should trade away their quote-unquote all-star. Um and I and, and again, I'm pro Devonta Sabonis trades, mm-hmm. and the reason I am pro those trades is because I personally feel like the Pacers would be able to yield some better results out of mm-hmm. trading a guy with All Star under his belt. Yeah, I I agree, and especially since we saw like a kind of like a soft evaluation given to uh, or value given to uh, Miles Turner what two years ago or so when when the Gordon Hayward trade got floated out there. Yeah. Right. And it was kind of like, oh, they're kind of talking about maybe this. Um, so we kind of have like some sense of who Miles Turner is. I, I think he's actually gotten better since then. But um, yeah, 100% yeah, I think, has. Yeah. I think they could get more for him. I, I, I do have a question for you. And, and I'm yes. going to be 100% honest. The Pacers are one of my blackout teams on this pesky damn blackout situation for yeah. NBA League Pass. So I do got to get a little bit creative when I watch the Pacers. Um, yeah, it makes two of us. Yeah, yeah. As we and, talked and about so, last week. <laughs> yeah, and so it's it's more uh, the nationally televised games or kind of the creative ways. So there's been a a good handful of games that I have not been able to see, but the Pacers are three and two overall in clutch time in uh, clutch situations this year, and mm-hmm. um, I'm just kind of curious what your thoughts are it's it's the worst record in the league as far as like clutch games yeah and go. like games decided by what is it one yeah. one to three points or something like that one possession yeah. games yeah and um, so i i, I typically t- like it, without knowing anything typically if i hear hey it's a close game and we lost i think coaching often yes and that's you know without going into details and stuff like that, it's just a blanket thing I genuinely or generally think that. My question: Do you see this as a coaching thing? Because I, I mean, I still think Rick's one of the best coaches in the yeah. league. From from the outside looking in, it definitely screams this is a coaching issue. I I yeah. don't I don't disagree with you. But what was one of the biggest storylines surrounding this team in the offseason? One was the can this core get healthy? Obviously, mm-hmm. that was a big one. The second one though was the fact that Rick Carlisle is the third coach in three years 
for this core that has not been shaken up. They have retained most of the same players for the last three seasons now. I, w- I was very much like, I, I mean, not just me, just it's been understood. At what point do you say, there's not a coaching issue here, there's a personnel issue. And I think it's finally time to just say there is a personnel issue with this team, which is why I am so, another reason why I'm so pro trading DeMontis Sabonis. They need to shake their roster up. I also don't think the Brogdon Lavert backcourt is the answer. I think that's a, that's a segment for a whole other day, but I just think this roster is, is flawed from both the health perspective, but also just from how they mesh as a team. I don't think it's very complimentary. I don't think Carlisle is able to really implement what he wants to do with this team. I just think it needs to be shaken up. And I think a trade for trading away a guy like DeMontis Sabonis, trading away a guy, well, Brogdon can't get traded because of the extension, but even already moving on from Levert, moving on from TJ Warren, it's just something. They need some sort of splash play because this roster does not work. That's, I just think that's what it is. Yeah, this is, I mean, I genuinely think that the Pacers are one of the toughest teams to figure out in the NBA right now. Just kind of like, where are they? Yeah. Their their record is 9-15 and 15 at the time recording this. But, like, as far as winning percentage goes, they're, right, they're just right below the Kings, the Raptors, and the Nuggets. But all those teams have a negative point differential. And the Pacers have a positive point differential. Yeah. But the Pacers are right there above some pretty bad teams like the Thunder, the Pelicans, and the Rockets, who have a a very clearly negative point differential and the, like they're way better than those teams they're probably better than the other teams too like this is one of those teams where i do not bet on the pacers there's like yeah. no spread there's no spread no over under i don't do it i do not bet on the pacers if you dig the box I don't, scores if i don't you know what the I'm box getting. scores kyle i you you would be floored because we talked about this after opening night the constant theme of Pacers go up significant double digits mm-hmm. and just let the lead go away. Th- this team has a complacency issue, and you can throw a little bit of it on coaching, but I'm sorry, a coach can only do so much, and this kind of circles back to it being a personnel issue because if the third coach in a row cannot get through to these guys that they need to play 48 fucking minutes of basketball – I don't think there's a coach in the world that's going to fix it. You need to break it up. You know what I mean? It's just I, mm-hmm. this is, I, I'm trying to keep it as short and sweet as possible here, but I just think the roster needs to be shaken up at this point. And I like the fact that a guy that most people were trying to say was untouchable on the Pacers is now a guy that people are like, well, what if they did try to move on from him? So, yeah. Yeah, that's my little hybrid. Love no, to see I, it, hate to see it of the week. <laughs> no, it's a it's a great call. Like I said, super difficult to figure out. They're the third worst scoring team in the fourth quarter, but they're the third best scoring team in the uh, in the first quarter. And so it's just uh, like it's such a weird team. And we talked about it in our season preview with this team, where like they could definitely be a playoff team. But I thought like this team has a pretty high variance. But you're like, yeah, but their ceiling like is pretty big. And we uh, they beat the Heat already this season. They've beaten the Knicks. They beat the Jazz, the the Sixers, the Bulls, 
the Raptors, I mean, they've beaten They're good teams. They're beating good teams. Yeah, that's the annoying part it's about cra- it. It's great, which yeah. is crazy. Um, like, and again, I I don't bet on them because they again, they've beat teams like Utah in Utah. You know what I yeah. mean? And, and and teams like Miami. So it's it's just such a difficult team to figure out. And, I've just uh, finally hit my yeah. uh my my uh catch all go to the old reverse psychology and finally just give up on the team in hopes that they prove me wrong because that's kind of where i'm at with this roster <laughs> I've, hit, I've just hit that you know what i'm done I, i'm gonna i'll watch them from time to time i know it's my team but they're just way better there is much better basketball out there plus shit man i've got to jump through seven rings of fire to even try and watch them right now so um yeah that, that's just kind of where i'm at but you know what team is not hard to peg right now, Kyle? I would say it's probably the most consistent team in the league. Yeah, the Phoenix Suns. We've yes, not really talked about Phoenix during this winning streak, and I think it's about time we finally dive in on this team. Yep. So, if you're unaware, Phoenix is now at a, I don't even know at this point, 18, 19 game winning streak. It It's absurd. Six, 16, I... I don't even have the number written down. They're 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 winning. They're finishing off my Detroit Pistons right now. That will be the 18th win if they can close out uh, this game. They got they got a pretty decent lead in the fourth quarter at, yeah. at the time of recording. They went absolutely perfect throughout the month of November. It, no loss abs- November. Yeah, no loss November, if you will. <laughs> um, let's kind of just go through some of the numbers of the team during this winning streak. All right. Big three of Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and DeAndre Ayton. Devin Booker's averaged 23 points per game, five rebounds, four assists. Chris Paul, 15 points a game, leading the league in assists at 10 per game, four rebounds per game. DeAndre Ayton, he missed six games of the winning streak. These are all their numbers during the winning streak, by the way. Um, DeAndre Ayton, has gone, he missed the first six games, or he missed six games in between. Um, he's gone for 16 and 11. They're getting numbers from their big guys, but they're also getting consistency on a nightly basis from the supporting cast as well. Jay Crowder's going for nine and four. Frank Kaminsky, before he got hurt, was going for 11 points and four rebounds a game in 21 minutes per game. Um, He had a little 17-piece against the Pels. JaVale McGee, a guy you and I talked about as being a sneaky good offseason move. Um, JaVale McGee, McGee is giving them 10 points, seven rebounds a block per game in 16 minutes. And then the Cam effect, Cam Johnson going for nine points, three, uh, three and a half rebounds in 23 minutes. And then campaign basically doing the same thing, 10 points, three assists per game in 17 minutes. I mean, this team is just firing on all cylinders, albeit Devin Booker did get injured uh, midway of the uh, Golden State game. But they're the number one team in the West right now. They're the best record in the league. Kyle, I'm going to lead off with this. What has been the most impressive thing about this winning streak for the Phoenix Suns? Uh, for me, the most impressive, I mean, I think we were already impressed with Chris Paul going into it. He finished the season last year, what, third in MVP voting? Yeah. Is he third, fourth, something like that? Um. And so I think we were already impressed. Devin Booker, we, we already saw him at that level. Um, had you know he went over to uh, play in the Olympics after playing in the finals. So I don't think anyone's really surprised there. Aiton had his emergence last season, especially in that Clippers series. But it feels like it's the season of Miles Bridges right now. Mikael Bridges. 
Mikael Bridges. You keep doing I, that, man. I know. <laughs> he, listen, I've had Miles Bridges for so many years in my life as a Michigan State fan. Yeah. And then I had the piece about Miles Bridges that I put up a uh, few weeks ago. And yeah. he just, he's got to just space. Your, no, I know. And that dunk the other night. Oh my gosh. Timeout sidebar. Did you see the dunk and hear the announcement? It was. It was one of the craziest dunks of the season. It, it might go. It might be the best dunk of the season, but definitely, definitely the best uh, broadcast call on it. Anyways, Mikhail Bridges, he has been been a really, really bright spot. He got a, a pretty nice contract um, recently uh, in the offseason, got extended, and we were like, ah, extended Bridges, but not Aiden yet. You know, are they doing the right thing? I think Bridges is going to be a huge player. Uh, for this team for many years, and I think that's going to be a huge value contract. Defensively, it, I mean, he has he has potential to uh, to be in that defensive player of the year conversation. I generally think that just goes to the best defensive player on the best defensive team. And typically, a big guy. Yeah. yeah unfortunately, um, it didn't happen the other like, few years ago with Miles Turner when he was the best defensive player on the best defensive team. Um, but I digress. He, I mean, he has that potential. Like he was playing that well. Um, I, I tweeted out like a, a joke about it, but seriously, it was, uh, Andre Iguodala esque, uh, the fact that he had two points, but I felt like he was like the best, most valuable player in that game, um, for Phoenix. So for me, it, it's gotta be Mikhail Bridges. Yeah, I, I specifically left him off that list because I, I knew you wanted to talk about him um, when I was talking about the supporting cast. But I, I agree. Um, I think we both came out of that finals thinking that the one guy that was really a letdown in that series was Mikhail Bridges. Um, he was very up and down and really was a non-factor down the stretch. Um, and we knew it kind of hinged on what his development was going to be. And you just can't under or not, uh, trying to say this right because words are hard um you can't overstate mm -hmm. the value of your primary wing defender in the nba and uh, you've hit the nail on the head man i think bridges just has that iguodala-esque ability to impact games beyond the stat sheet um just being kind of just while chris paul is yes that calm more that veteran presence in those high or high pressure situations Mikhail Bridges is also just that steady heartbeat on the yep. defensive end you know what you're gonna get you, you know he could hit down a clutch shot here or there um you don't need to rely on him to score it would be really nice if he could develop into a more consistent offensive player though I just to be completely honest but um I love that I love that pick of Mikhail Bridges um he's had a really really solid season yeah I think he, I mean, he has it in him offensively. Yeah, I agree. But his focus, it's just not his focus. Yeah, you know I, I think mean? that's like, that needs to be the next development that we probably need to see over the course of this contract. Yeah. If you're Phoenix. Um, really, for me, the thing that's been most impressive, this is just a general thing that I was, I was thinking about. You know, they beat Brooklyn and Golden State on back-to-back, -back, not back-to-back -back nights, but back-to-back -back games. They beat both one seats, one on the mm -hmm. road, one at home. It's just it, the way Phoenix is winning is just because, you know, 
the biggest knock the first half of this winning streak was that they weren't really beating quality opponents. Now the competition is ramped up, and they're still just plugging along. Mm-hmm. It's it's insane. And it, this kind of leads into my next question, which is actually something you posed when we were kind of spitballing just thoughts on the Suns. Do you respect the Phoenix Suns more at this point as opposed to how much you respected them when they made the NBA Finals last year? I think I think it's right now, which is really crazy because, I mean, if we remember, what was it, the Suns in four and all of mm-hmm. that, I mean, this team was as popular and as tweeted about and all over the internet everywhere as any team recently, you know, that I can remember. Oh, this yeah. Team was, this team was everywhere, and they were hot. But I do still think that there was – that everyone always looked at them with the lens of – well, Anthony Davis got hurt. Well, Kawhi got hurt. Well, Jamal Murray was hurt, right? And and there was never like this, you beat all these teams at their full strength and, and did it. Um, and so I think that there was always kind of this weird lens we looked through it. But then this year, we get them, uh, we get them healthy and you see what they could do and they're just going on this crazy tear and when you go in you know and it's a battle to see who is the best and you come out out top then i think we just kind of have a really clear look at the suns and um i don't know i i no one picked them to win that series against the lakers really like no one did and i just think that they were kind of an underdog that whole time and i think they were doubted pretty much every step of the way but right now i just I personally just don't doubt them as much. So I, I got to say, I probably respect them more now, which is crazy that I respect them more now after the 21st game of the regular season than I did after they just won in the Western Conference Finals. <laughs> but I, I got to say, it's probably right now. What about yourself? I I agree 100%. Um, every point you made, and then I'm going to add on to it just by saying, you know, when we did our instant reaction to game six of the NBA finals, um, I believe it was you who posed the question, do you think uh, Phoenix's title shot or title window was closed? Mm. And we both answered yes to that question. We thought that they had already reached the peak with this roster. And for them to come out and they are by all means a better team this season than they were last season. They yeah. they've they've proved us wrong. Whether whether they make the finals or not, I, I I can't tell you because Golden State is still a damn good basketball team. I really with every fiber of my being hope that Golden State Phoenix is our Western Conference Finals this year. Um yeah. I think it would just be a very fun seven game series. Um but I digress. I, I just the way that Phoenix has rebounded from that finals loss and just come back, it, it kind of almost reminds me, in a sense, it reminds me of 2015, right after San Antonio lost the finals to uh, Miami, and they just came back and just went, it just took no prisoners yeah. the following year all the way to the title. Um, that's kind of the vibe I feel from this Phoenix team. They are just on a warpath. Um, they 
they started off a little shaky. Sure, whatever. And now it's just all phasers set to beat the shit out of any opponent you play right now. <laughs> um, it is it is crazy how much we did instantly shut the book on them. Yeah. And all they did was like literally improve their roster and answered a lot of the question marks we had with like their their backup uh big man depth. We've, and we've low key we've low key been griefing the Suns a lot. We we didn't love the Chris Paul contract. Yeah. Because of the fact that it led to them not extending Aiton. Yeah. We which we it, like, which we killed him for. Yeah. Which is to be fair, they still deserve to be killed for not extending DeAndre Ayton. Like they, they're yeah. idiots for that. But, um, and you mentioned it, we we're still not wild about the Bridges contract. We weren't wild about it, I should say. It's starting to look a little bit better now. Yeah. But you know, we've we've really been hypercritical of the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, and they had that. They had that. Um, the ownership issues. Yes. I mean, it, it's been. It hasn't been great news. Um. And it probably should be better, so so that's on us for sure. But I'm glad they're getting their their flowers now. Yeah. Um. So I kind of hinted at this when we were talking about the love to see it, hate to see it, um, especially the hate to see it about the game. Um. You know they do play Golden State again tonight. Uh, kind of circle back to my Steve Kerr tinkering comment. Do you think Golden State, you know, what adjustments do you think are going to be made, even from Phoenix's standpoint? Like, what adjustments are you expecting to see tonight in this, for all intents and purposes, game two of our of our one-week Golden State-Phoenix series? Yeah, well, no Booker uh, going into it, so that's definitely yeah. going to be part of it. They had the lead at half when Booker went down. Um, they were able to keep the lead going into the fourth quarter, which... It was only, I think, a two-point lead or so at half. And if you can weather that third quarter against um, the Warriors, then I think you're good. Honestly, I think that that's kind of, I think that's the book on the Warriors is get through that third quarter where they always come out hot. And that's, you talked about it earlier with the, with the consistency of Phoenix. I mean, that just is their calling card is that they are just steady. They are sturdy. They they're not this team that goes on these crazy surges. And that that really is more of how Golden State plays. They they go on these streaks where they'll get in the fast break and they'll be shooting threes in the fast break. And it all, all of a sudden you look up and they're on like an 11-0 run. And you're like, what just happened? I, I don't even understand how we just got punched in the face so quickly. And so I think if you can weather that, they're going to have to play Shamit instead of... Um, Instead of Booker, which is never th- a phrase you love to hear. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, I I'm a Shamit fan. He, he's a career forty point three point shooter on over five attempts a game, and that's on you know that's in a few years, and he's getting yeah you know he's getting a, a decent amount of minutes uh, all those games, so high volume, high efficiency, but really that's all Shamit is. He he's not gonna. He's not going to do anything else for you. Um, looks like this game against the Pistons is coming to an end right now. He ends that game with 31 minutes and one assist. So you don't expect him to do any creation. But as far as the shooting goes, he's going to go four for eight from three like he did 
Um, yeah. And so, it, it, to, to be fair on the creation part, I mean, it, Booker, he is averaging four assists per game during that stretch, but we yeah. don't know Devin Booker as an assist guy. That's, why, that's right. why they have Chris Paul. Yeah, and so I think you can, I think you can replace a decent amount of what Devin Booker does with Shamit, with um, with Camp Johnson, even. I think that you're going to be able to get through that, um, and we don't really know how serious it is. I I think from what I've seen, and I've seen a few different things, a few weeks. So um, I think that's really the biggest adjustment. But campaign, we uh, I think we like campaign a decent amount. Um, yeah, I would say as little Alfred Payton as possible. Please, please, having to watch Alfred Payton play alongside Chris Paul. Um, I, can I redo my hate to see it for the week? Like, <laughs> can I piggyback that? Um, he needs to be wedged in there because Alfred Payton. Ugh. Yeah, just no to Alfred Payton minutes. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, well, this is uh, kind of gets us to the last part here, um, just regarding Golden State and Phoenix. And this is a, hyp- a hypothetical that you posed yeah. uh, earlier in the week. And I'd love to kind of circle back to it. So, it, Kyle, if you I, actually, I'll let you ask it because you. All right, yeah, yeah. It's got, it's a little more. It, it's it's yeah. a little more up your alley. I still don't fully. I mean, I understand, but I don't understand at the same time. It, it is it is th- three simple words. Okay. Booker, or Clay. And you will not elaborate on what you mean by that question, Just which is Booker the, or Clay. Which I know, one? I know. Um, if we're talking about, <laughs> it, there's so many ways to go with this. I motherfucker. Um, obviously, if I'm starting a franchise, mm-hmm. I'm taking Devin Booker. Right. If Good I point. am talking about who has a bigger impact on their team when they come back from injury. Clay Thompson. If I'm talking about overall more important impact, this is where it gets tough for me. I know, I know that there's a part in you that wants to just be like, yeah, like it's Clay. Like you can't no, replace what Clay does. No, and but then you look no. at Jordan Poole and you're like, <laughs> he's, um, doing, he's doing a decent amount of it offensively. Some games. I, I would lean Devin Booker. Okay. I would, I would lean, but it's always a but. This circles back to my reverse psychology. Oh, because if Clay Thompson proves me wrong, you know I love Clay. I ain't gonna be mad. I win both ways if I take Devin Booker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's a, it's a credit to Devin Booker and where he's come. Um, yeah, from being a, you know, quote unquote, you know good points, bad team kind of guy to being a legit dude. And, and that's yes. who he is now. So um, credit Devin Booker for that. Obviously, we're excited to see both of them get back healthy. Yes. But it is crazy that both of these guys are both not playing. And we get a Christmas matchup, I believe, of these two teams. And I don't... Clay's... Get- Clay's- Plays on that G League assignment, he could be back for that game. In a couple weeks is what they're saying for Booker. He could be back for that game, too. What if they both came back for that game? What a Christmas gift that would be. (gasps) 
Wow. <laughs> Santa, if you're Santa. listening. <laughs> Santa, if you're listening, first of all, uh, make sure you subscribe and leave a, a five-star review, Santa. But please, please, I've been good. Just give me Booker and give me Clay for Christmas this year. Give all the other gifts to Lily. Give mm. us a healthy Warriors Suns matchup on Christmas Day. I love that. <laughs> well, Joe, uh, you think we missed anything? You got anything else uh, else to add before we get into shot callers? This week, personally, no. Um, I mentioned okay. it last week's episode. Um, this has been the final week of school for me, so yep. I have definitely been a little more out of the loop basketball-wise, just getting that all finished up. Um, I'm sure there will be stuff next week, though. Do you got anything that you think we've missed before we uh, get into shot caller? Uh, no, I think uh, the only thing I would say is I'm a bit bummed that you um, you almost spoiled my shot caller of the week right there. It's my shot I... caller of the week is Joe. Oh, you said finishing up. up his schooling. You lied to me. I lied to Kevin Porter. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, I. I, I want to say congrats. You are done with your schooling. Uh, you, you're going to be doing your graduation. Uh, from the time of recording this, you're going to be doing it tomorrow. So yeah. you'll be doing that. I think it's a virtual one. Congrats. Oh, I should have uh, known you were asking all the details. Yeah. You, yeah. Slide you, uh, <laughs> you made a decision. Um, you made a decision a while back and said, you know what? I really want to do something. And I'm going to take a really big risk. And you did. And I know that you've been doing awesome um, on all of your assignments and, and all your projects and, and just been updating me and all that stuff. And I'm super proud of you. Um, I know we all are. So congrats to you on the hard work and uh, and finally being done with it. And yeah, proud of you. Thanks, man. That, oh, you, you sly dog. <laughs> For those that know, we were we were doing our we do our show rundown like you know we spend about an hour or so getting things together and we always kind of give each other a heads up of what we're gonna do for shot caller and this slide he told me he was gonna do Kevin Porter I didn't think anything of it and then like right before we were recording he's like going through the checklist of oh yeah so how would you describe like what are you doing what school I even think thanks Kyle I appreciate yeah. it that's so <laughs> Joe is Joe is a coder now. So <laughs> this man is a uh, is a smart computer coder. So yeah, yeah. Props to you. I don't you. know about, Congrats, I don't know about smart, but I'm, I'm definitely well, doing stuff with code. <laughs> getting getting over a hundred percent on your final. That's I mean, pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty. Good. I mean, <laughs> so so. Yeah, if anybody's listening now, uh, yeah, I, I am looking for a a job now. So. Uh, <laughs> if you got any leads hit me up (laughs) but also first kind of in the same realm of Santa uh, five star leave a comment leave a like (laughs) then hit me up I'm gonna dot I will check if I don't if you hit me up for a job and I and I don't see that you've left a a good review of uh, the network I'm going on the naughty list yeah you're done you're done Um, well how do you follow up yourself um, I know the only way you can, uh, Memphis, the Memphis Grizzlies. We purposefully have not talked about this game yet, Kyle. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, 
Right before we hit record, much like last week when the Wolves game went final during Wolves Watch, the Memphis Grizzlies, God love them. I didn't know what I was going to do for Shot Caller of the Week until Memphis decided they were going to beat the Oklahoma City Thunder 152 to 79. You want, you want to hear that score again, Kyle? Memphis, without Ja Morant, beat Oklahoma City 152-79. to It is the largest margin of victory in NBA history of 73 points. And here's some fun little nuggets for you. <laughs> Oklahoma City shot 32% from the field, 28% from three. It's, it's a bad night shooting, of course. <laughs> These two numbers... Lou Dort was a negative 53. Dude. <laughs> but it gets worse. <laughs> Jeremiah Robinson Earl was a negative 56. Oh. Oh. And on the flip side, Memphis, who shot 62% from the field, 52% from three. Played all 13 guys tonight, all right? As you typically do in a blowout, right? You clear the bench. Kyle, would you like to take a guess as to how many players on the Memphis Grizzlies roster shot over 50%? I will say out of how many guys played 13? 13. I'll say eight. (laughs) What if I told you 12 of them shot over 50% (laughs) from the field? (laughs) And the only guy that didn't was Desmond Bain. <laughs> he shot one for six. Every player on the roster, except for Steven Adams, took more than four shots. Oh. And only one of them shot below 50%. I don't even know if you chalk it up to a defense being optional for Oklahoma City or if that's just an incredibly, ridiculously hot shooting night for Memphis. I, I really don't know. But Memphis... You are my shot callers of the week. That is just insane. Oh, <laughs> man. I don't know whether to... I think we have to give the MVP to either Josh Giddy or Shea now, right? I think we ha- I think you have to. The MVP? Yeah, neither of them played this game, and it was the biggest loss in NBA history. Oh, my God. All I'm saying I is completely that missed that on the stat sheet. When Shea plays, they the Thunder don't are lose. By the, the worst. <laughs> they're not the they're not the biggest loser in NBA history. And I think that that's worth noting. So you know what? I, it, hold on to that nugget. I think we got something for next week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's that's my hot take, right? The Thunder suffer the worst loss in NBA history, and my takeaway is Shea for MVP? Question mark. <laughs> Never a dull moment, huh? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Kyle, any other thing you got before we get out of here for the week? That is it. It's been a fun one. Uh, I might throw a, an NBA replay on in the background while I get back to uh, playing some Minecraft. 
Yes, uh, very excited to get back into Minecraft. Hey, if you are playing Minecraft and are listening to this, shoot us a tweet over at 48 Minutes Network. Let us know what you're working on. We are Minecraft fiends. We are always looking for new things to do. And maybe if we get enough of you guys, we can look into doing a 48 Minutes server. I don't know hey. what the crossover between basketball fans and Minecraft is outside of ourselves, but yeah. hey, you never know. That being said, that'll do it for this week's episode of Shot Collars. I am Joe Macucci. He's Kyle Brandon. Hope you guys have a great weekend. We will see you next week. Love you guys. Thanks for listening to Shot Callers. Make sure to subscribe to the 48 Minutes Network wherever you're listening to your podcasts and leave us a review if you like what you're hearing. Also, be sure to give us a follow on Twitter over at 48 Minutes Network. I'm going to stop and give you.